Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme with uh, John Paul taking your calls at 1850 You can text or WhatsApp the show to 0862103103. And, you know, I want to start by giving a mention to a front page story in one of the tabloids today. It's the Irish Daily Mirror and they it's, it's a kind of a story that highlights homelessness, homelessness at Christmas and families living in emergency accommodation. And we've been talking for quite some time about the number of children that have ended up in emergency accommodation. And this is children living in hotel rooms and going to school every day from hotel rooms. And we're now starting to talk about the what kind of impact it's going to have on these uh, children. And of course, we, we won't really know for some years if it's going to have a long-term impact of being raised in hotel rooms. And coming up to Christmas, the you really think of these children and what it's going to be like for them waking up on Christmas morning and waking up in a hotel room. And we know that we've heard from children who are wondering, will Santa know where they are and will he know what hotel room they're in? And it's just heartbreaking. And that's exactly what is making the front page of the Irish Daily Mirror today. And it's a little boy who has written his letter to uh, Santa Claus. He is a seven-year-old little boy called Kevin. And the letter to Santa simply reads in in real little seven-year-old child's handwriting, Santa, my name is Kevin. Please come to the hotel again with Batman toys. Isn't that just heartbreaking? So the little lad was there last year and he knows that Santa is magic and that Santa will find him no no matter where he is. But it is just so heartbreaking to see a letter like that and to see it in print and to see it written in his little, you know, children's handwriting. It's just, it's utterly heartbreaking. Uh, So we know we have a housing crisis. We know we need to be building more uh, houses. And there is a research out today from the Central Bank, which says there is a massive unmet demand for housing due to our population growth, also inward migration and changes also to how households are formed, even though I don't think we needed research to tell us there was a massive unmet need. But anyway, they've put it into figures and the Central Bank claim 34,000 new housing units are needed every year from now until 2030. What does that break down to? That means we need to be building 90 houses a day. That's what needs to be completed for the next 10 years. Uh, Not nearly enough houses have been built in the past eight years and around a third of the, only around a third of the housing units so far has been built and that's where the problem is. I mean at the peak of the boom in 
2006, 93,000 housing units were being built. But then obviously following the crash, house construction collapsed. But the population in the country didn't. That continued to grow. Babies continued to be born. Migration, people coming into this country continued. And if it continues at the same pace, we are going to have even bigger problems uh, going forward. So very, very worrying when you see it put down in figures like that, the number of houses that we need to be building. And I know the government will say they're doing their best and they're they're trying to build. But it's, it's like we're playing catch up. And because we're playing catch up, you've got little boys like Kevin, who will be for a second year waking up on Christmas morning, hoping and praying that Santa Claus is going to find him. And of course, we know that he will and we know that he'll get all of his Batman uh, toys. And I suppose when you're reading and hearing about stories like that, people then get very vexed when they read in the same in all of the papers today, more news coming out about the doll printer and what the perceived waste of money taxpayers' money, government money, exchequer money that has gone into this doll printer. And of course, people straight away say, could that not be used to build more houses? And it seems now the cost of the building works to fit the printer. Remember, this was the printer that cost €800,000. The printer on its own was just over €800,000. Well, and we know it went to £1.3 million. You can stick in another 50000 onto that. The sums are included in a letter from the Office of Public Works to the Public Accounts Committee, the OPW, they're the ones that uh, are overseeing the work and the building that had to be done in Kildare Street after, of course, there was a blunder. Nobody got a measuring tape out and decided to measure the room where they needed to move this printer in. It was only when the printer arrived they realised, oh, this printer isn't going to fit and therefore a lot of building work had to uh, go on. Estimates provided to the Public Accounts Committee for the cost of the work by the Oireachtas authorities last month put the costs at the building work at 229,000. That, by the way, was excluding VAT. The OPW letter, this is the latest one, includes this extra almost 50,000 and it puts the estimated spend, including VAT now, this is on the building to fit it in at €314,453. The letter from the OPW chairman has said the final account for the works has not yet been agreed. So it could even go higher. But they have provided the agency's best estimates at this stage. So as I mentioned, more than £1.3 million was spent on various parts of the printing equipment from actually buying the piece of equipment, the building work that needed to be done. And then, of course, people were saying that seemed like an awful lot of money for the refurbishment work that was needed to fit the printer in but the OPW came back out and said that they took the opportunity to carry out other necessary works on the building which was probably a smart thing to do if they were moving in they're doing works works that were probably needed to be done in the next few years would have to be done so they decided to do it at the same time but it's just it just seems a scandal that we can pay over 1.3 million euro on a printer it just doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people 1850 53 In a couple of minutes, we're going to speak with that listener who contacted us yesterday about an alleged abduction of her dogs. And we want to give it out as warning to other people. You need to be very 
very careful when you're leaving your dogs out in your garden we're almost getting to the stage where you nearly want to be with them all the time and I don't know if it's got anything to do with the run up to Christmas is there a higher demand for the theft and then resale of dogs I don't know if that's got anything to do with it but we'll speak with this uh, woman who alerted us to us at the close of the programme yesterday we're also going to hear about the Carmelite nun who was found in breach of planning laws yesterday at Skibbereen District Court. This is Reverend Mother Irene Gibson. She was before the court yesterday. That was after she built a compound for her order outside of Lep in West Cork and she was back in the courts yesterday. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, was there and she'll tell us uh, what happened in court uh, yesterday. Councillor No McCarthy is going to join us with an update on the building development in Formoy, which has been stalled for the last few weeks. We've been talking about the need for housing. Here we have houses in Formoy. I'm, if my memory serves me right, four are ready. There had been hopes that they were going to be handed out before Christmas and we were quite excited about the idea that some of our local families would have their own home by Christmas and we thought this was going to be great. But then there was a problem, some kind of a problem. Don't know what the problem is, by the way. Between the developer and the contractor, workers have been laid off, building sites being locked up and the houses are sitting there. Just It must be frustrating and galling for the people of Fomoy, particularly people that are on the council's housing list and probably have their fingers and toes and everything else crossed in the hope that they would be allocated one of those uh, houses. Uh, At about 20 past 11 today, the lovely Bibi Baskin is going to be joining us live in studio. She's brought out this gorgeous pocketbook of inspirational quotes and anyone that would follow Bibi Baskin on social media will know that she puts up these little inspirational videos. She's a very early riser and she puts up these little inspirational videos in the morning that are just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And it seems she's been collecting inspirational quotes for years. She's one of those people, she hears an inspirational quote or she reads it somewhere and she makes a note of it, which is a fantastic thing to do. And she's brought it out in a little book that is absolutely delightful and will make, I think, a lovely stocking filler and a lovely Christmas present this year. If you're still stuck for ideas for Christmas present, I think Bibi's little book is a must this year. And it's Wednesday. So Peter Dowdle uh, will be joining us on the programme after half past 12. If you have a question for Peter, get it in to us, please. We also have three 50 euro vouchers to give away today. We're continuing with our vouchers for Sue's Asian street food in Mallow. They've updated their menu with their nutritionist Lucy Highland to give you a healthy menu with naturally fresh goodness to keep us all at our best. And the good news is that Sue's Asian street food in Mallow deliver right to your door. We will be playing a chopped up song in a little while for you and your chance to text or WhatsApp on 0862 103 103. Just to give you an update on some calls that we received to the programme, I think they came in on Monday morning and it was to do with the tree that was described as hanging over the road between Kilmean and Rossmore in West Cork. The tree was about 500 yards from Kilmean National 
National School and obviously people were very concerned about this tree and they didn't know was it the council was responsible, was it the landowner was responsible. I mean, we even heard that the school bus had to divert as it couldn't fit under the tree. Anyway, we got on to Cork County Council and they've come back to us to say that Cork County Council have been in ongoing contact with the landowner in order to address the issue of the tree and the matter is currently being resolved by the landowner and we got that email in yesterday afternoon so I'm assuming at this stage the the fact that the matter was being resolved by the landowner yesterday afternoon I'm assuming that that tree has been cut down and that is, is no longer posing a problem if anybody if anyone in the area particularly the people who are calling us can confirm that that's been sorted out please that was the tree hanging over the road between Kilmean and Rossmore 1850 333 103 Now Ashley was the person who contacted us yesterday to alert us to a man who she says was trying to take her dogs yesterday Ashley is in Canturk and she joins me Good morning to you Ashley. Good morning. And by the way, thank you for this and thank you for contacting us so that we could alert other people. Now, take us through what happened yesterday and about what time did, did all of this uh, unfold? Um, so it was about uh, half past 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, I could hear my dogs barking outside. I walked out and there was a man backed up to my gate. Now, my dogs are inside dogs. They're not normally outside. They're only outside you know, to use the loop before I head out today. Um, and he had backed up and the, the van door was open at the back. Um, so I shouted. My younger dog came back to me. My older dog did exactly what he's trained to do. He's a security dog. He dropped to the floor and waited there for next command. Um, I put the younger dog away, at which point I walked up to the man and he said that he was with uh, the dog warden and he was trying to kick the gate open with his foot because my dog was growling at him. Um, he told me that he was a dog warden and my dogs weren't licensed to this address. There was no license registered to this address for the dogs and that he was going to seize them and take them off me. Um, and when I basically said, look, I'm a, I'm a dog trainer and animal behaviorist. I know that's not how this works. So who are you? Um, he carried on with his story anyway, telling me that he was a dog warden or that the dog warden, and then he changed it to the dog warden had sent him to collect the dogs. Um, so I said, look, again, this isn't how it works. Have you got ID on you so I can see who you are? Um, he wouldn't provide me with ID. He then told me, he started chatting up the back of the van and said to me that um, his ID is in the front of the van. And he got in and he tried to close the door. So I stood between the door and the the thing so he couldn't close it between the door and the van. So he couldn't close it. And I said, look, you have ID. I need to see it. Um, and he said, no, 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 I, I must have left it. And I said, well, I'll find the guards then. And the guards can deal with you, but you're not taking my dog. And yeah, basically he, he shot off after that, but he was very aggressive, very... Aren't you very brave? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't have been a brave if, if my dog wasn't behind me. Okay, okay, okay. All right, describe this man to us, please, Ashley. Uh, he was, like, I, I'm young. Everyone kind of gets that stage where they look older, but I think he was back in his 50s. Okay. Um, he had curly grey hair. He had really piercing blue eyes. He was staring at my dog, and that was, you know, that, that really struck home to me. He was in a small green van, but the number plate was covered. You couldn't see the number plate. And I tried to glimpse at the discs 
in the front of the car so I even had a reference for the guards of when the DOE runs out or when the tags run out but all of those you couldn't see them that was just alarm bells in my head because something wasn't right and he had covered the registration place yeah yeah the, the there was either black tape or black silage wrap over the number plate you couldn't see it wow he was well organised yeah um, okay, um, and did you call the guards? I went into the guards. This, this has happened before. This, this happens quite a lot around Ireland. It's not spoken of. Um, that's why I'm trying to raise awareness of it. It happens quite a lot. I was talking to, I was on the dogs group, Irish Stolen Lost Land Dogs, last night and posted it. Um, and two people contacted me. It happened in Carlo recently and Waterford back during the summer. It happened exactly the self same way. Do you, did he have a local accent? Would you know a local accent? No, he had um my my husband's family is from Tipperary. Um he had a tip accent, a very thick Tipperary accent. Yeah, that flat that very flat accent, yeah, and that's uh, quite distinctive. So this guy is travelling around, he could be anywhere in Cork or he could be anywhere in the country. Yeah. What type of dogs do you have? Um yeah, I have um they would be classed as BFL. Um, so breed specific legislation. I have a Spanish Mastiff and an English Bull Terrier. Yeah, they're they're under the Dangerous Dogs Act, isn't it? They're they're con- yeah, yeah. It's, it's a load of rubbish, but yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. they're perfectly friendly dogs. Yeah, but if they're out, dogs. they need to be muzzled and and all of that, and on a leash, and it has to be somebody in a public place. Yeah, yeah the some leash has to be a specific length. You can't have them on a long line. Yeah. Do you think yeah. your dogs were deliberately targeted? Um, it's not the first time this has happened. Um, so we had a Rottweiler, unfortunately. She passed away with cancer a few years ago, but we used to live in Cologlin. Um, and every year for Pugsa, we used to have to set up cameras on the stables for the horses and on the dogs. We had people people try and take them then as well. And it, it happens a lot. It, it, yeah, you'd be surprised how much it does happen around Ireland. Speaking to the group last night, um, it seems to be becoming more frequent. But but is it the type of dogs they're like guard dogs? <laughs> they look like it, yeah. Don't yeah. don't tell anyone else they're so just love. Um yeah, I well no, because there's tugs up there that have been stolen. There is any pedigree dog, any dog, they don't care what they have. if it's the dog fighting, they will take any dog. I I rehabilitate dogs for a living. You'd be surprised the dogs that I have to rehabilitate that have been used in, in fighting or have been used as bait dogs or have been badly treated. Oh, it's, it's not just the types of breeds they are. I Any had, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't realised that that's where that's where you think your dogs would have ended up. I was assuming that they were stealing to order and that the dogs would be sold on to happy, loving families looking for a dog. I mean, the very fact that they would end up in that illegal dog fighting trade. Exactly. Is there a lot of that going on? um, I've come across quite quite a few people that that have come across it or believe that the the dogs have gone through it. Um, Yeah, yeah. Baiting is more because they'll take any dog. They have to get the dogs used to, um, sorry to sound horrible, but they have to get the dogs used to the sounds of screams from other dogs and teach them not to let go. A dog's immediate reaction to a high-pitched noise is to let go. Um, so they have to desensitise the dogs to this. 
And the only way they're going to do it is by getting more and more of these dogs off the streets or free to good homes or out of people's gardens like yesterday. Yeah, that's why you've got to be so careful. If you, uh, if your dog has had pups and you're offering them free to good homes, you've got to be very careful where you're sending those little, those little pups to. And people now need to be very careful about leaving their dogs out in their gardens, Ashley. Yeah, my uh, I'm setting up CCTV and I've got the gate padlock, but you shouldn't have to do that. No, I moved from Ireland from England to Ireland when I was early teens because of how bad it was over there how you can trust your neighbour, how you can trust people. And it's just getting as bad as over here, you know. And you say you're a dog trainer. Is that your full-time job? Um, I'm resetting up my business. Unfortunately, my dad was ill last year, so I kind of cut my business down. But yeah, I'm, I'm an animal behaviourist, so I rehabilitate, train, yeah. And That's is it I possible do. to rehabilitate dogs who've been really badly treated? So my... Big fella, my Spanish Mastiff, was an ex-bait dog. He was, was an ex, an, sorry, an ex-what? Bait dog. He was used for dog fighting. Oh. Um, it took me a long time to rehabilitate him. He was supposed to be put down, and I now use him to retrain other dogs that have been abused. So teach his, use his trust of me to help other dogs trust me. Um, and then my English Bull Terrier was, um, the woman was on drugs, and he beat him very, very badly. Um, and again, he was he was in a very bad way when he came to me. And I would trust them with kids. I would trust them walking down the street. I know I know them. I know how they respond. I trust them completely. Oh, and the very thought of dogs, your dogs who have had it rough, have found a wonderful forever home, the very thought that they could be plunged back into that world again, only that you were there yesterday. Well done. Well done. OK, so Green Van, as you say, we've no other details because the the registration number has been blanked out. But somebody may have seen that travelling around because it would stand out the fact that the registration plate was being hidden. Mm-hmm. It would have done, and there was no sign written like the van hadn't been sign written up or anything. It seemed to be an older version of the van. Okay, somebody might have picked sense. it up on a dash cam. Okay, um, all right. Uh, and as you say, you have reported it uh, to uh, the Gardaí. Okay, you just people just need, we really need to be very careful out there. Listen, Ashley, thank you for that. No, and uh, you're doing great work with your dogs and uh, well done well done on yesterday I think you were extremely brave but thanks for joining us on the programme Perfect, thank you Good morning to you Bye bye, bye bye 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Now a nun who only speaks for one hour a day due to a vow of silence was once again at Skibbereen District Court for an alleged breach of the Planning and Development Act Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter was in court yesterday and uh, Fiona joins me Good morning to you Fiona Good morning Uh, And before we get into what's been going on in Leppa this hermitage a story from yesterday from the Skibreen area as well of an incident with a man in his 30s attacked and sca- stabbed last night. What, what do we know about this? That's right, Patricia. Um, we know very little at this stage other than it was a 39-year-old man who was stabbed in the Riverdale area of the town at around 8 o'clock last night. Now, it's understood that a group of youths were involved in that incident. 
The man was taken to hospital with his injuries, which are not believed to be life-threatening. Um, and Gardaí are investigating and they're hoping to be in a position to talk to that man later on today. Uh, they sealed off the area last night and a technical examination was carried out. And they're asking for witnesses. So if anybody has any information or if they saw anything suspicious or if they saw what happened last night, um, they can contact Skibbereen Garda Station. Okay, all right. And if more breaks on on that, we'll bring it to to listeners throughout the day. So back to uh, Skibbereen District Court yesterday. Now, this the case was taken by Cork County Council against Sister Irene Gibson, a Carmelite nun of the Holy Face of Jesus Order. She had set up a hermitage near Lep. Just remind us of the story of, of how this all unfolded. Yes, Patricia. Sister Irene Gibson had purchased this site. It was a former garden centre at Corrin South, just outside Lep. And she was developing, uh, 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 it was an unauthorised um, commune, or not commune, um, compound, uh, sorry. And uh, she had brought in a two-storey wooden building and it contained a church. And she also had brought in seven pods. Now, the pods were described in court yesterday as shed-like structures, um, and she was residing in one of those. And she also had a steel container um, for storage on the site, and she had erected a fence, a timber fence, around the site. Um, And um, she was there, and some of the members of the public contacted Cork County Council. We uh, there were five people who contacted Cork County Council complaining about mainly about the two-storey wooden building um, that was um, on the site. Now, uh, Philip O'Sullivan, he was, or he is an executive planner with Cork County Council, and he went to the site and he inspected it, and he informed his driving Gibson that she needed planning permission to be able to develop something like this on the site. Uh, now, following on from that, there was a number of correspondence between Cork County Council and Sister Irene, and the um, an enforcement order was placed on her as well, asking her to remove the buildings. And um, it came before the court, it came before Sibirine District Court last May, and the judge, Judge James McNulty, had adjourned it until yesterday to allow Sister Irene time to move on from the site. And um, they were back in court yesterday, and as Sister Irene was there with Sister Anne-Marie, who is also a member of the Order and had come from New Zealand earlier this year and was also living at this site with Sister Irene. It was just the two of them living in this compound. And they were both in court yesterday. And at the very start, before proceedings got underway, um, the two nuns were sitting in court saying prayers with their rosary beads. And they had a statue of the child of Prague sitting in between them. And when Judge James McNulty came out um, and was about to start the case, he said that he has respect for religious faith, but that a courtroom was no place for a holy statue when he asked them to remove the statue. Um, so that kind of set the tone. I suppose, and did they? Yesterday. But, and they did, yes, yeah. they removed the statue. And um, they told him that uh, they didn't have a solicitor representing them in court yesterday. Now, they did have a solicitor back in May, but they felt that they weren't being represented properly and wished to represent themselves. Now, Sister Irene told the judge that she wanted Sister Anne-Marie to represent her in court, and the judge explained to her that that wouldn't be possible, that they needed to have somebody qualified in the law, like a solicitor representing them in court. Um, But he said that Sister Sister Anne-Marie could act as a witness and take the stand and give evidence for Sister Irene. Pretty intimidating for poor old Sister Anne-Marie. I know. And then um, he explained to her as well yesterday that she had the option to 
plead not guilty to the charge of being in breach of planning laws or uh, guilty. And he said that if she pleaded guilty, that the court, with you know, it's similar with any case that comes before the court. If somebody decides to plead guilty, the court will look favourably on that when they're uh, imposing a sentence and they will give a credit for that. And he explained that to her and that they would take into consideration the fact that they had no previous convictions. And um, he explained all this to her um, and he gave her 10 minutes to try and decide what she wanted to do. And she came back and she said she wanted to plead not guilty, that she wanted to contest this charge. So, um, he went. It went to uh, trial then yesterday in, in court, and um, Cork County Council, um, Philip O'Sullivan from Cork County Council, uh, got up and he took the stand and he explained that he visited the site earlier this week, just before the court hearing yesterday, and he said that the wooden building that had caused um, much of the offence for the neighbours, that that had been removed, and that three of the pods had been removed also. But he said that there still remained four pods and a timber fence and signage and the steel uh, container. Um, and he said that there was evidence that the nuns were still living on this site. Um, and he said that, you know, that they didn't have planning permission, that it had been explained to them very clearly that they needed planning permission to develop on this site and that um, that the nuns had, had not complied with the enforcement order. And he said that they had bent over backwards to try and avoid coming to court that they had extended the date that they had given the nuns initially to move on the, to move the uh, elements from the site, and that that hadn't been done. Now, Sister Irene herself got up first of all in court, and she she made the oath on her own Bible. She said she wanted to swear on her own Bible, um, and she said that um, they had made every effort to to move all of these structures from the site. And she said that in the last court date um, back in May. That at that stage they had already removed the two-story wooden building, and, that and that I remember I remember talking to Sister Irene earlier in the year, and she was selling the pods. She had them up on Dundee. Right. Yeah, and she said that she and she admitted yesterday in court that the two-story wooden building was an ugly structure, and she apologised to the neighbours um, for bringing that in. And she said that she did manage to sell that, but she had sold it at half the price what she had paid for it. So she was immediately at a financial loss from that. And she said that she had put the pods and the steel container up for sale on adverts.ie and she had put it up on Dundee and any other site that she could find. And she said that um, she just had managed to sell everything at this stage, but that she was making efforts and that she was making an effort to try and move from that site. Um, now, she told the judge as well that a man in Yall, a man in his 70s, had offered them a house in Yall, um, but it was um, in disrepair at the minute and he was doing renovation work to the house and he was doing those works himself. And because we've had such bad weather lately, it's delayed the works. Um, but she said that they're hoping to be able to move in there in the next few weeks. Um, and she said that... Um, and then Sister Amory, sorry, took the stand as well. Now, she had a written statement that she read out in court and she described how Sister Irene had initially come to this site and she had a dream of building a recreational amenity area and uh, a market garden and because of the lack of public transport and the fact that she didn't drive herself she um, decided to move into one of these pods on a temporary basis while she was developing this area um, in the hope that she would find a more permanent um, residence but that that didn't happen and that she was still in the process of, of building this um, amenity um, and that she was living in this um, these pods on a temporary basis and that Sister Anne-Marie had joined her and she was also living in one of these um, pods as well 
and she said that um, Sister Irene um, was going to be losing up to €75,000 um, and that the, the two nuns would be uh, virtually homeless and broke um, if, if they were forced out of where they were. And OK, and Alistair and says, did the nuns get the site for free? They bought it, didn't they? Didn't they Sister, bought it, Sister, yeah. Sister and, and she paid money for all of these structures that they brought and, in And out, well. outside of the ugly two-storey building that the mm. neighbours and local people were complaining uh, about, were they interfering with people locally or did they keep very much to themselves? They keep, they keep very much to themselves. Um, she said that, um, in court yesterday, she said that it's just the two of them on this site. They live a very intense life of prayer. They go to each other's pods to, to say prayer. And other than that, they're alone in their silence, what she said in court yesterday, um, and working on the site. And I think that the neighbours, when they complained, the main cause of concern for them was the impact that this two-storey building was having on the area and that that had been removed. And the judge actually asked why none of the complainants were in court yesterday. Um, and the council said that it wouldn't be normal in a case like this for the complainants to come into court. And the judge asked if there was anyone there just out of curiosity who would like to, to come up and, and speak, but there wasn't anybody there. So we didn't hear yesterday in court whether or not the neighbours are... Um, annoyed about the presence of the nuns where they are um, and the fact that they have this fence up around the site. Um, and the nun said that she believed that the, the neighbours weren't angry anymore because the two-storey building was, was gone. Was the ugly-looking buildings gone? And yeah. no, no mention of retrospective planning? No, now the nuns did say that what they believed was that they were exempt from the planning laws because um, they were building... Um, a development on their own site and that they were only residing there on a temporary basis while this was going on and they had read into a law about um, exemption exemptions but the judge explained to them yesterday that somebody can set up a, a canteen or a hub uh, on a site that they're building but that's on the basis that that development got planning permission initially and yeah, he said that yeah. they never got planning permission and he said that this yeah. site was zoned as agricultural land and if you were to uh, reside on an agricultural land um, there needs to be a contravention of that law and there wasn't one in this yeah, case. Yeah and you look, look you know I know you, we can't all just start building mm. what, what, and what we want and, we, that as well, yeah, and where we want to put... treat everybody fairly and yeah. that they can't give special treatment to one case and not everybody else. Yeah, I just think um, it's hard to see nuns being tracked into court. I, I mean, and in fairness to Cork County Council, and there were pains to point that out, and, and so were you. They did mm-hmm. everything. I mean, they really didn't want to end up in court uh, yesterday. So the, the outcome then at the end of it all, where are we at? Yeah, so the judge uh, convicted Sister Irene. He said that, um, you know, that he believes that Cork County Council had acted fairly um, and that you know, the nuns didn't have planning permission and he said that Sister Irene was obviously a very well-educated um, and intelligent woman and she had people who had explained the law to her, even though she said herself that she didn't have time to study the law, but he said that she, she was very much aware of the situation and she continued to stay on and, and to build on the site. Um, so he he convicted her um, of being in breach of planning laws and um, he adjourned sentencing then until April 28th next. Um, and he did that to allow her time to, to move on from there. Now she will have, she will be able to move into this house in Yol, but she still has to remove all of the, pods the structures. And the structures. Yeah, and, and I say could try to sell on the site. Yeah. Was she trying to do that? 
Yeah, yeah, and sell all the structures as well. And like, you know, she said she has been making efforts to do that, but it hasn't She's worked out. She's out of pocket. Audrey says, why can't some of the local convents near the nuns take them in and give them a home? Was there any offer from I convents? They didn't know. And no. the judge did say that on the last occasion, but um, there was no offers made or none that we know of. Anyway. And were they very much on their own yesterday or did they have any supporters? Uh, no, they were very much on their own. It was oh, no. Now, they did have a one man there um, and he drove them away from the courthouse yesterday. Now, I don't know who he was, but yeah. um, okay. he was there in support of them. Oh. But, you know, they decided to, they, they didn't want their solicitor, they wanted to represent themselves. Um, and I, I don't know if it would have gone in their favour if they did have a solicitor yesterday because, you know, obviously they weren't clued in on the law. But, um, but they, it's, they, they it, broke it, the it law? It's unusual, but this is it. And I mean, she, the maximum penalty now for a breach of a planning law is either is a five thousand euro fine or six months in jail or both. Now it's highly unlikely that she would be sent to yeah, jail. She yeah. has no previous conviction. She's never. But she could be fined. She could be fined. Okay. She could be fined. And as I say, and we've got to wait. That that's uh, sentencing has been deferred until the twenty eighth of uh, April. So we will be back to this in the new year. Fiona, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, who was at Skibbereen District Court yesterday. Interested in uh, the thoughts of people? Is it unfair what has happened uh, to Reverend Mother Irene Gibson or is it only right and proper you can't just go building pods and you can't just go uh, setting up a hermitage anywhere you want your thoughts welcomed now um, some reaction in a lot of reaction in for Sister Irene Gibson and Sister Anne-Marie who were before Skibbereen District Court yesterday. It isn't often that you see a pair of Carmelite nuns before the courts, but they were. Uh, they were there and uh, Sister Irene found uh, guilty of breaching the planning laws. I'll get to some of your comments on it in a minute, but before I do, just a quick mention to some other calls and texts that have come in. Rita Mornabi has been on to us. She wants to know, is there anybody out there that has hens looking for a rooster? They have two roosters that they're willing to give away free to a good home. So if anybody is in need of a rooster for your hens, can you give John Paul a call 1850 333 103 and we'll hook you up with Rita in Mornabby. Thank you for that uh, Rita. And uh, another animal story when we were talking with poor old Ashleen who was very lucky that her two dogs weren't taken out from under her yesterday. Actually following my chat with Ashleen, there's no name on this but somebody said I know uh, Ashleen she helped train my dog she's amazing at what she does and she's a lovely person. Yeah she came across as such a, and such a calm person as well. I would have I mean, the way she stood trying to stop that guy and trying to get as much details as she could and try, she tried to stop him driving away. I thought she was extremely brave. I know she said she had her dogs backing her up, but she's a brave, brave lady. Uh, so thank you for whoever sent in that uh, text and good to know. And she's starting up a business soon. If we get any details about her business training dogs and particularly dogs that have been very badly abused to give them another chance that's fantastic at work. And Kathleen has WhatsApp to say that the annual Castle Magner Searsha Club cookery demonstration with the renowned chef Hazel Burke of Asola's House is going to be held tonight in the community centre at 8 o'clock. There'll be mulled wine and mince pies. They'll be served on arrival and it's described as a night not to be missed and tickets are available at the door tonight, priced at €10. Everybody very welcome to come along. Good luck with that uh, Kathleen. And as we speak, there is a coffee morning in aid of St Michael's St 
Centre Meals on Wheels. It's going on this morning. It's for further educa- it's at the Further Education and Training Centre. It's on from now until 12 noon today if you want to pop along there. And thank you to numerous people ringing in to tell me that that tree in Kilmeen has been uh, cut down and it's we're all back and safe again. This was the tree that was hanging over the road between Kilmeen and Rossmore in West Cork. It was quite close to the school so people were quite worried about that. So thank you uh, for people just to clarify that the tree has been taken down. Now, back to Sister Irene and what happened in court yesterday. Some of your commentary coming in on this. Audrey says, now Audrey was the person who had suggested would a local convent not consider taking in Sister Irene and Sister Anne-Marie. And Sister Anne-Marie, when she was in court yesterday, was explaining that Sister Irene is going to be out of pocket by about €75,000 because that's what she's paid today to date on all of these various accommodation pods. And I know she's tried to sell them because when we were talking to her early in the year, she had it up on Dundee and she was getting some offers, but she obviously wasn't, to sell, wasn't able to sell on all of the pods. So Audrey is back suggesting... If a convent could come forward and say, look, Sister Irene and Sister Anne-Marie, you're more than willing to come live with us. A lot of convents have land and ground. Could Sister Irene not bring her pods with her and like give them a little bit of a, a corner of the convent land where they could continue to live the way they live, this vow of silence that they have and they only speak for one hour a day and they spend the rest of their time in prayer. Audrey says, would that not be the charitable thing to do on behalf of a local convent? And Audrey said, of course they need planning just like everybody else because we're getting a kind of a mixed reaction in from people who are siding with Sister Irene and others are saying, no, the law is the law. You can't break the law. You or I wouldn't be allowed to go off and just build whatever we want to build. Cork County Council, of course, that is part of their job is to clamp down on people with illegal buildings. And just because you're a nun, you shouldn't be able to to get away with it. Jerry in for Moy says and feels the Cork County Council should be hanging their heads in shame. They should be ashamed of themselves. He felt it was an embarrassment what happened yesterday to these uh, two nuns. He does say fair enough. They didn't have planning. He said, I agree with all of that. But he said, how come members of the travelling community can move into areas and many of them won't get moved on? And also within the council themselves, they can break laws. Uh, what about bad planning not being compiled, not being compiled with? They've just seemed to have picked on these two nuns. Uh, Jerry and Fromoy feels they were easy targets. And while the nuns were wrong in what they did, but if the council are going to pick on people, pick on everyone else, he felt the nuns were picked on because they couldn't fight back, even though Sister Anne-Marie seemed to have done well for herself in, in court yesterday. Mary Mallow says, I think those nuns were trying to pull a fast one. Uh, this has happened before in other areas. It was during my years working around the country, I've seen people trying to pull fast ones when it comes to planning. So they need to stop that from happening again. Nuns are educated people. So they should know the planning rules and regulations. Well, I think you can be you can be very educated, but I don't think not everybody understands and knows all of the planning laws. But uh, anyway, uh, Mary just feels that the nuns were trying to pull a fast one. Tim said it, it was horrific how those holy nuns in Lep uh, were treated. 
He feels this is further evidence of a government policy to persecute the Catholic Church. Cromwell is back, he says, but God has not gone away and his patience will run out with dire consequences for mankind, says Tim. Whoa. Uh, not bragging, not bragging, says Tim, but at least some of us have the faith to hold on to, says uh, Tim, feeling very, very sorry for the nuns yesterday. So just a sample, as I say, of the calls that we received in about Sister Ryan. We're going to have to wait and we'll be back talking about this again, certainly next April, when Sister Irene will be back before the courts for sentencing and we're going to have to wait to see according to Fiona Corcoran art news reporter she'd either get six months in jail which I can't see happening or it could be a 5,000 euro fine and that's a that's a lot of, of money considering the nuns are claiming they're already down 75,000 euro now I don't know they own the piece of land people are again querying that where do they get the land they bought that piece of land outside of Lep whether they'd be able to sell that I don't know what it is worth today but they certainly seem to be losing out on these pods that they have purchased 1850 333 103 now Dan in Mallow says hi Patricia I wonder if you might highlight a serious safety issue to do with the main roundabout on the N20 in Mallow. Next to the roundabout pub, this is the roundabout pub that unfortunately had that fire and it's been closed down since. My son failed his driving test yesterday and it was due to a near miss on entering the roundabout coming from the Mallow town side. As he was slowly entering the roundabout, a car came from the Limerick side at very high speed in the lane beside the path. Normally this would be the lane for the first exit, but the car went straight through heading for Cork and just missed my son and the tester. The car was doing about 50 kilometres per hour going through the roundabout. Never stopped at the line before entering the roundabout, which is the correct. And when you're doing your driving test, you have to do everything correct. You have to bring the car to a standstill before you move off. My son braked just in time, but he was failed anyway. The roundabout is so dangerous and it seems like a free for all uh, for access on it. There should be proper speed ramps before as you head into the roundabout to get people to slow down. Gardaí should be should be based there and there should be speed traps. I don't know, speed traps on the approach. What do you mean? Speed cameras, I'm assuming is what, is what you mean, says Dan. It is a serious accident waiting to happen. Very unfortunate for, for your son. And I'm I'm assuming he was told he failed because of that, which seems crazy because to me, that's the other person driving through was the one that was wrong. The speed is which, is which he was going. You are able to, they changed the lanes entering that roundabout. You now can use both lanes to go straight on. Traditionally, that first lane, that uh, left-hand lane next to the footpath was the one that you could only use for heading down the town. But now you're able to go right through the roundabout on it since they changed the configuration of the roundabout. But we have, you're not the first, Dan, to highlight problems with the roundabout since the, since the new format, since the new layout uh, of it. I've heard of lots of people saying that there are near misses. We There has been a couple of accidents, nothing major, thank God. But we, I certainly constantly hear of near misses on that roundabout. You do need to be so careful. And I am very conscious of, because it is for people who don't know the the area, it is it is the roundabout that has to be approached after when somebody is doing their driving test because the driving test is just, driving test centre is just down the road from it. So I'm always aware 
when I'm on that roundabout, when I see anyone with an L plate up, I'm always thinking, oh God, I wonder they're doing their driving test because we all remember the nerves and the anxiety of what it was like doing your driving test. You'll never again drive the way you do on the day of your driving test and it's nerve-wracking enough. So I always make sure that I, you know, keep well back from somebody with an L plate just in case they're doing their test. So it's very, very unfortunate. And very unfortunate, Dan, if your son failed on that, for that specific re, re, reason, because somebody else was driving, the person should have stopped first, and certainly 50 kilometres per hour going through a roundabout is very, very excessive speed. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With at College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie We have a truck driver wanted. This is for Livestock College and it is in the Mitchellstown area. Full-time permanent company accountant required. It's for inbound luxury tour operator. You'll be home-based in the West Cork area. A nanny or a childminder wanted to work two to three days per week in the Canturk area, while a labourer is wanted for a job. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In the south side of Cork City, you must have experience with groundwork, concreting and helping tradespeople. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 Now, well-known broadcaster Bibi Baskin joins me in studio this morning to chat about her new book, which is a collection of inspirational quotes and daily motivations. As we say, good morning to Bibi Baskin. Good morning to you, Bibi. And good morning uh, to you, Patricia. You are, Thank you so much for having me here. Well, you are very welcome. And can I say to people who are on Facebook, we're on Facebook Live at the moment, if you want to have a good Oh, at the same time I know you've done the hair and makeup we forgot all about that it's it's a beautiful beautiful uh, book and Thank it's you. just delightful are you thrilled with the way it turned out? I, I'm amazed and delighted because you don't really know what to expect when it's just going through the production stage and and I think they, they did a wonderful job I think the colour is terrific my contribution are quotes that I've known for years and years uh, many of them I've created myself just born out of the experience of living a long life. So overall, it's a pocketbook. It's a simple format. But what I'm really hoping is that it does contain a depth of meaning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The pictures. Did you were you involved with the selection of the photographs? Well, it was a combined effort. The publisher, the designer, and myself. We all teamed up. And they're just all stock photographs, are they? they are. Yeah, they're yeah, fa- yeah. It's just. But it's, I thought they worked well. Yeah, they they work extremely well. Now, take us back. What prompted you to write this book? Yeah, this book because together? it's all in keeping with us being a small little house. Um, 
When I went on social media, which was only a couple of years ago, and now, of course, I'm mad in the head about it. Never often, <laughs> you could say. But with purpose, I, I make a lot of contacts that way. I get to know people. I only knew three people in Cork when I moved here five years ago. And now I, I know lots, thanks to social media. But about a year ago, I got this idea of making little, I call them homemade videos. So I'm up in the morning, usually with the dawn. You I, are an early riser, I've noticed Oh, yeah, that. yeah. I love it. Oh, there's a special energy, Patricia, about the dawn. It's well worth it. Yeah. So I get up and I go outside and I'll make a little video, maybe 15 seconds, of something from the natural world. It might be leaves or a flower or the birds or the sky or something as simple as could be. And then I use my own voice to put on that a wellness idea. And that has got lovely reaction all around the country. And then one day, not that long ago, La Wine, uh, a businessman who's a good friend of mine, he said, you know what, you're doing this now in social media, but not everybody's in social media. So why don't you publish these quotes? And he's a publisher, so he knew well how to do it. Uh, that man is Michael Mulcahy from Cork City. You know him well. You know him well, I'm sure. Uh, so it's his house that has published it. And that also explains why you don't find it in shops. You'll find it through me or through Michael, but never mind. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to send me an email, I then pass it on to the, to the distributor. And it's, it's what, 15 euro you're retaining it at. So it's, 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 you know, it's very reasonably priced um, and will make a lovely Christmas present. You know, pocket, as you say, it's, it's a little, it's a little po- uh, pocketbook. Um, it, but you've been collecting the quotes for many years. Oh, yeah, decades. I don't know why. It's just that I always had a kind of a yearning for a greater understanding of how to live a happy life. Doesn't everybody, says you. Mm. It's just that I made it my focus from my studies and from reading and therefore writing down and writing down quotes that made sense. And that probably started as long ago as the late 1970s for me. Wow. Yeah. Now, when you consider... So you've always been a positive person. I've always tried to be. Yeah. Yeah, always okay. tried to be. And why not? And do you, is that something you have to work at? No. Are, there, are there times where you have to really push yourself to be positive? Well, I, I taught myself a lot of those little things. In fact, it is in the book, this particular quote, but I would have learned it, I would have learned the concept from Deepak Chopra, whom a lot of people would know connected with Ayurveda, the wellness system of India, yeah. and with spirituality in, in general. And I remember reading, oh my word, it must be decades ago, where he said, when you wake up in the morning, now, this is for every listener who's listening today. When you wake up in the morning, you have two choices. You can turn on the misery movie of your life and say, oh, woe is me. I've no money and Christmas is coming. The weather's bad and I'm cold and he's, you know, da, da, da. Or you can turn on the happy movie of your life and say, hey, I've got a roof over my head. I've got good friends. I have kids I love and they love me. Blah, blah, blah. It's a choice. And and that's what I like to do. So you can say, did I have to learn it? I probably did. But it's so long ago that it's become okay. second nature. And I always find, you know, when you, when you think of your friends and, and your acquaintances, being around positive people is fantastic. And we all have friends that will make us smile, make us happy. And they're usually the most positive people. But we also know people that are miserable. And you just 
Do you dread having to spend time with them? You, you shouldn't, though. But yeah. No, you should dread they it. They drain you. You know they, what I mean? They're it's vampires sh- yeah. of energy. That's what I call them. <clears> it's <throat> just, it's dreadful because we were talking yesterday about stresses around Christmas. And that was one of the things, you know, the way you have to, you may have to have people at your Christmas table that you don't really like during the year. And as Joe Heffernan, our councillor, said, just because you don't like them for 364 days of the year, it doesn't mean you're suddenly going to like them on the 365th. But you just have to put up with them. But it can be really draining, can't it? Could you not take a stronger line? Could you not tackle that person, say in the merry month of May, and sit them down and say look, we don't get on. You don't like me much, (laughs) I don't like you much. Next Christmas, guess what? (laughs) <laughs> two words uh, and I can't say them in the morning <laughs> alright and I noticed on your book that this is volume one so I'm assuming this will be the first of many well volume two is on the way at the already moment. Yeah, yeah already uh, because it's going nicely and can I also say if you want to get a copy uh, my email may I say that please do it's very simple it's bb at bbbaskin.ie Okay. And then I will pass that on to the distributor. Perfect. Uh, perfect but the then. distributor, Michael Mulcahy, whom we all know and love, is, uh, I mean, it was his idea for the volume one. And I said, Michael, will you stop it? You're scaring the you-know-what out of me. He said, it's going to be fine. It'll be good. And, you know, I think he was right. Yeah. And you, but you've never written a book before. Never, oh, I have. I wrote have. about three of them, but I never okay. showed them to a publisher. OK. And one this, I still... So this is your first published book? It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. about time. You see, I was surprised by that. I, I had assumed that you had written books no, in the past, yeah? No. No, I wrote a lot of articles, a lot of published articles. Yeah. But do you know what I'm finding now? I'm finding great pleasure in the writing. And it's mostly all about wellness that I do. And that gives me great pleasure as well. And I think that there's a need in Ireland for a greater awareness of bringing wellness to your home, to your family to your friends, but also to the workplace. And I go around and I give talks to corporates about introducing more wellness ideas into the work, the working day. And in fact, we've had a few companies now who've ordered a stack of these little books just as a gift for the new year for their their staff and trying to wish them well. And I think with with mental health and problems with mental health and so many people suffering with anxiety. I mean, there was a stat out lately on the number of people under the age of 35, um, over 30% suffering with anxiety. You just kind of think, God, what has gone wrong with this world? There were so many young people suffering with anxiety. That's why wellness is now more important than ever. And if only they could shift their attitude. You know, when I give these wellness and motivational talks around the country, one of the things that always comes up is how I was maybe brazen enough to leave a lovely job in broadcasting and RTE and then go off to a developing country and set up my own business and become a hotelier. And I always say to them, the thing that carried me through that huge change, which I voluntarily brought into my life, was that I had no fear of failure. And the young people under 30 that you're talking about, Patricia, who are suffering from anxiety, I think at least part of that anxiety comes from fear. Fear of not being good enough, fear of losing the job, fear of failure in the job, in the relationship. If only they would accept that failure is not the end of the world. It's the start of something new, a little while after you lick your wounds. Why did you decide to give it all up and go to India? I love change. And I'm still at it. It's a big change. It's a big change. (laughs) Well, I went to India in particular for a reason. I had been an unofficial student of an Indian system of wellness. 
called Ayurveda for decades before I went there. Now, a lot of people make the assumption that that's what I discovered when I went and lived in India. Not so. I discovered it here in Ireland. And I knew that I didn't want to carry on broadcasting and I wanted to do something different and new uh, and preferably in a different place. So I thought I'd go on a wee holiday and I'll go to India and learn more about the wellness And uh, as I always say, in rather dramatic fashion, I went for three weeks and I stayed for 15 years. It's incredible. (laughs) I mean, it really was incredible. And then to open a hotel, I mean, had you hotel experience? No, devil a thing. So how did that come about? Oh, that's a long story because it happened in stages. And the bullet points of it, I suppose, would be that I thought, right, I have no job, I have no income, I'm in a rented house, I better put a roof over my head. So I bought a house and then I did it up very fashionably for, again, another reason. We all have these little dreams that we sometimes don't have time to make happen. And one of the things that I fancied doing was doing up a house. So I did it up on my own. And then I thought I'd bring in some guests for company. Uh, and that meant I had to be classified as a B&B or a four star or a three star. And the end of that was I was classified as a heritage hotel of India, which is four star. And in that way, I said to myself, oh, bloody hell, I'm a hotelier now. <laughs> and you did that for 15 years. I did, yeah. And then the decision to come back. How yeah, I tell you about? why. I was intrigued with India. I mean, if you go to India holiday or or to stay, you'll either love it or hate it. India doesn't do middle ground. It's not Watri, if you know what I mean. I know. By I know. I do. Uh, you'll either love it uh, or you'll hate it. I think that strongly. Uh, and I was intrigued by it and fascinated by it. But after you know, 12, 13, 14 years, you know it so well that the fascination is gone. And then you're left with the other side of India, which is no timekeeping, poor roads, no communication. And you think, you know what? I'm getting too old for this gig. I'm going home. And I'm delighted I did. And then why pick Cork? Again, it was to do with uh, wellness, believe it or not. When I was still in India, I was on the late, late... Oh, I've been on them all, I suppose. This one was with Pat Kenny. And I was yamming on about Ayurveda, the wellness system. And this was probably towards the end of the Celtic Tiger in Ireland. And the, five, the then five-star Kingsley Hotel in Cork City mm. had a completely customised Ayurvedic spa. It was a wonderful thing with Indian Ayurvedic doctor and therapist. And they saw me on the telly and they, I think I think they probably said, you know what, she knows what she's talking about and we don't know much about this. And so were you down. just home on a visit or were you home for good at this stage? No, visit. You were just on a visit, OK. But yeah. then the visits became more regular because okay. the Kingsley would have me down about twice a year to do a bit of consultancy yeah. on the Ayurveda. And that's how I came to know Cork. And I suppose that was how I came to love Cork. And you do love it. I adore it. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere again. Yeah. Unless the rebels kick me out. (laughs) And I think there is little, little chance of that. Do you miss India? No. And I'll tell you why. And that sounds like a very short answer. When I was in India, I would also be asked, do you miss Ireland? Mm. And my answer would be equally short. And I can tell you how I conquered that. It's about living in the now, living in the present moment. Today, I live in Cork. I don't need to even think about India until I go there again for a holiday 
or something like that. And equally, when I was in India, I was fully engrossed in the now, in the present moment. And, excuse me, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of interviews. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that is the trick. Again, one of the aids to living a happy life. Too many of your listeners will live in the past. And then it goes into what if. It's and I should have done. It's the worst place to do. It's the worst place to go. Or they'll go into the future. <sighs> but the minute you do that, the second you do that, you're missing the now. And the now has good in it. Mindfulness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what mindfulness is That's all about, it is. isn't it? It's, it is. OK, I, I want to just, I, I was, because I read all 150 quotes oh, in this God, book. Oh, God, love you. And I was trying to decide, because it's an unusual book to do a, a, a review on. Yeah. So I was thinking, how am I going to do this? So I was thinking, because every single quote is great. So what I decided, I'm just going to open on a page. Yeah. Um, and then we can just talk about that and, and just, and just. Give me your thoughts on it. Okay, this is lovely because I've opened on a rainbow. So today, tomorrow, forever. So you haven't reached your goal yet. Then remember, you're closer to it than you were yesterday. Yeah, a lot of people set these goals for in five years time, I'll be this. I'll have this salary. I'll have this income and this status and all that old nonsense that I have no time for. I think do it in baby steps. Do it in small stages and don't have this anxiousness inside you about in five years time I must be head of the department no prepare today a little baby step towards having a better day tomorrow and eventually you'll reach that goal Uh, real friends for real life real friends tolerate our madness and failures which cause us to stray from them they welcome us back when we're ready I just (laughs) adore that even that one is giving me a bit of a shiver it's true about real friends real friends you can be bad tempered you can be snappy you can be you can disown them almost seemingly for a while but if they are a real friend they'll just know you're going through a bit of a dip and come back, you girl, when you're ready. I have a, a, a friend. She would be my, you know, teenage friend where we go. We were teenagers uh, together, and you know, obviously, life has taken us apart, and that we live apart. And then, and we might maybe once a year get to sit down and have a really good natter. And yeah. it's as if I was with her yesterday. It's it's just incredible. There's no lull in the conversation. It's just that's what real friendship is, isn't that's it? That's true friendship. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, OK, um, pause and reflect. If you're buzzing around all the time, the butterfly of happiness does not get the chance to rest on you. Take some quiet time every single day. Now, do you live by that? Oh, I sure do. And you've no idea how much. And you also have no idea how unpopular it becomes when I say that I do that. I met a friend that I hadn't seen in a while, only a couple of days ago. And uh, she looked pale and ashen. And she said, I haven't had a day off since the start of November. And I said, you're the boss. You can take a day off. But no, people in Ireland at the moment, they love being busy, but they don't, and they boast about it. You know, I had a great week. I was so busy at work. What they don't seem to realise is that they're killing themselves. I know. I know. Not just physically, but mentally as well. So <clears throat> if you're going to be buzzing around, think of the butterfly and give that peace that the butterfly signifies a little chance to descend on you and just practice your breathing 
and so on and so forth. Take too long, there'll be silence. Practice your breathing, live in the now and let the butterfly rest on your shoulder. Oh, that's just gorgeous. Uh, Nari says, hi Patricia, I love Bibi's posts and I look forward to them daily. Best wishes to her on her new uh, quotes book. She is very inspirational, kind regards. Uh, and Stephen listening to us in Kerry says, have to send you a quick text when I heard you mentioning that you have Bibi coming on the programme today. I love those little sayings and I love the idea of Bibi's book. I'll give you two of my own favourites. One is a lot of the shadows in life are caused by standing in your own sunlight. Oh, that's a good wow, one, isn't it? That's a great one. And secondly, as great as the joys of receiving are, you can never compare with the joys of giving. Certainly appropriate, he says, oh, for the season that's in it. Those are lovely. Yeah, Stephen, did you say? Stephen in, in, in County Kerry. Yeah, he's a oh. guy who regularly uh, contacts the programme. OK, Stephen. let me go with another one. It's your choice. When you wake up in the morning. Oh, yeah. oh we've that's done that we've one. Done. Isn't that funny? We've yeah. done one. And nothing is impossible. If you think that your world is broken, you're forgetting that things can mm. be mended. Yeah. Yeah, things can be mended. Uh, There are some things that we can't change at all. We can't change, obviously, terminal illness. We can't change it if our company folds or we lose our job. But the key to getting through all of those terrible times is uh, having an acceptance of how things are in your life at that moment. We in the Western world, we love to talk about fighting this and fighting that. And I'm going to fight cancer and all this stuff. I don't like the idea of fighting ever. And Mahatma Gandhi, the great leader of India in times past, of course, he was all around Indian independence from GB, Great Britain, but it was in a non-violent way. And you'll find that among the Indians, not all of them, but some of them, that they're very gentle people. Whereas we here in Ireland, in the Western world, we love the idea of being strong and fighting. I don't like that at all. Okay. I think we, sh- we should give that up. Yeah, and be more, be more gentle. I think so, yeah. uh, Time doesn't heal all. Uh, if you can't sleep at night, don't look at the clock. It'll bother your conscience. It'll bother your conscience. This is something that I think uh, gets a lot of people. And, you know, when you've got the worry of the world on your shoulders, not being able to sleep at night. I have a cure for that. I, I drew up a talk and I might maybe give it in the new year if people were interested. And it's called Natural Tips and Techniques for a Better Sleep. And one of them is you just buy yourself an old school exercise book, cheapo thing. And before you go to bed, at least an hour before, you write down all your worries Every single one of them. Every one of those things that could keep you awake at night. And then you write down the name of the person beside the worry who can solve it for you. Uh, and then you write down the, the earliest time that you can contact that person. An example would be you're in trouble with the bank. You're worried about the overdraft and you've gone way over. So you write down that worry. You write down the bank manager's name, John Smith. When will he be next available? Tuesday morning at 930 But this is Monday night, so you don't think about it until Tuesday morning at 9.30. Now, it takes a discipline, but I find that committing it to paper, leaving that little exercise book then in the living room or the kitchen, don't bring it into the bedroom. You'll get a better night's sleep. And are you a good sleeper? I only need five hours. Have you always been like that? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I know in Western medicine, people say we all need eight hours. Mm. Well, Indian medicine would say differently. They would say that we are, uh, collectively, we are three different types of mind-body people. 
and I happen to belong to the group that only needs five. Then there are others in the second group who need seven or eight, and then there are others who need around the ten hours. And years ago, our mothers would have said, that our lazy lump of a fella, he's always asleep <laughs> ten hours. No, he probably needed it, but I don't. Five hours and that's it. OK, all right. And how do you fill your day? I mean, I know you're always really busy. Well, I fill it sometimes by doing nothing, as we said earlier. I take that time where I just, I call it stilling the mind. And I think that that is a lovely little exercise to do where you are not being selfish, but I think you're engaging in self-care. Then I read a lot. I study a lot. I have meetings, the next projects. I'm going on a tour around Ireland soon to give some motivational talks. Uh, So there's always stuff to do, including doing nothing. You're not retired. By any stretch of the imagination. That's never going to happen. No way. There's too much, too much fun in the world, too much goodness, too much things to do. So life at the moment for B.B. Baskin is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Plans for Christmas? None. (laughs) I don't celebrate it. Do you not? No. I'll tell you why, Patricia. Well, very briefly, I'm sure our time is limited. No, you're okay. Uh, My beloved father died when I was only six and died very suddenly. And I don't have one memory of sitting at a Christmas table with my father and my mother and my two sisters. And I always feel the lack of them at Christmas. So I don't celebrate it at all. And I have a second reason. I think that when you look for the good in any day, as we mentioned earlier, every day is a celebration because when you wake up in the morning and with some clients, you know, I'll ask them, to write down three things they're grateful for and invariably it'll be partner, children, job. <clears throat> and I'll say, wait, you're forgetting one thing. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? You breathe. Think of the alternative. You're dead. So every day is a celebration, not just Christmas. So when you say you won't celebrate, will you, will you spend it alone? Will you join friends for dinner? Will you? No big deal at all. No. I could have a celebration this evening or tomorrow if the humour took me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. My, my best friend will be there uh, and it'll just be a day. Nice food, I suppose, but not a turkey or any of the big yeah. shenanigans. No. Yeah. It's interesting because I know it, it normally comes up um, every year on the programme. We'll be contacted by somebody who will feel pressurised to go somewhere. Somebody yeah. say who's on their own. And I remember last year it was a young widow, actually, and she was dreading Christmas because it yeah. was the first Christmas without a partner. She didn't have any children. And everybody was insisting, oh, you're not going to be on your own. You're not going to be on your yeah. own. She said, I want to be on my uh, own. Good for her. And I remember she contacted us to, looking for advice and she didn't want to offend anyone and everybody had plans and whatever. And in the end, she booked herself in somewhere, told no one where it yeah. was, sent a text on Christmas Eve saying, I'm out of radar, I'm off the radar for a couple of days, leave me alone. And she went away and, and I never found out how it went for her, but she just wanted to be, I want to be alone. And you've got to respect people as well, I don't you? I think you do, although I imagine some of your listeners might be saying, well, that's a selfish thing to do. I don't think it is at all. If you feel the need to be alone, and maybe it's because of great loneliness, she was a widow, she was missing her partner. Uh, grieving sometimes is best done alone. So I, I would have no problem with that personally. And also, if you caught me at the start of next week, you may find that I'm going to India for Christmas, and I'll tell you why. I haven't decided yet. I always decide at the last minute. <laughs> Yeah, I know, it's getting madder. Um, It's because there's no Christmas over there, you see. 
And a friend of mine has just opened a brand new, big, splashy Ayurvedic resort. And he's invited me. So I might go and have some wellness treatments and come back looking gorgeous while you're all why bursting not? out of your trousers. Why, why not? What about the madness of Christmas and the, the uh, no. just, yeah. I, mean, I don't I don't get involved no. at all. You just no. steer well clear. I do. OK. I do. And yeah, we're going to encourage people to buy your book as a Christmas <gasps> present because I think I think it makes it will make for an absolutely delightful uh, Christmas well, present. That is so lovely. And so, remember, it's not in the shops. Yeah, this is the important uh, one because I can see people saying is it available in, in all good bookshops as they normally say. No. It's not. So you need to once again email BB BB at, at bbbaskin.ie okay. and if you haven't got a pen you don't write it down if you google me you'll find me easily that and plenty of other I'll shite okay, probably you, you're on you're on Facebook you're on Twitter, Twitter Instagram, Instagram. LinkedIn your, what, have you a favourite of all of the social media accounts I love the Twitter do you oh yeah. I love the it's Twitter it's instant and quick isn't it it's, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's fantastic. OK, listen, it's it's brilliant. I am already looking forward to volume two of, <laughs> of your book. Thank and you. I think it's going to be a real, real uh, success for you. Thanks a million for joining us in the studio. It's a pleasure. I've really enjoyed our chat. I've and, so uh, enjoyed it too. I, and I normally this time you all say, I can still wish you a happy Christmas, even though you're not celebrating. You it. Can. can I? Can I? Enjoy that week. I'm going right. to say enjoy today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Many happy returns. There you the go. wonderful Bibi Baskin. Uh, a number of people saying how much they enjoyed listening to BB ba- Baskin and her book sounds wonderful. It is. It's one of those little pocket books. It's, it really is gorgeous. And somebody else has a saying of their own uh, that is, life is a succession of days. Enjoy the good ones and put up with the bad ones. <laughs> well done. That's uh, That really is lovely. And no, BB's book is not available in shops. You can only uh, can't buy, you can only uh, get it by contacting her and then uh, she'll get it out to you in the post. It is priced at €15 Euro and it's uh, €5 Euro, I think post and packaging. So €20 Euro all in and we wish BB luck with it. BB's Wellness Wisdom, a collection of inspirational quotes and a daily motivation. I enjoyed, I have to say, I really enjoyed my chat uh, with her. She's a lovely, lovely lady. OK, our winners, let me get these out of the way, please. Congratulations. These are the winners today of our €50 Euro voucher for Sue's Asian Street Food, which is based at 4 Spa Square in Mallow. They've updated their menu, by the way, with nutritionist Lucy Highland to give you a healthy menu with natural fresh goodness to keep you at your very best and they do deliver right to your door. So our 50 euro vouchers today and by the way it was uh, Duffy was the song Warwick Avenue it was hard. I will be the first to say it was hard. Anyway, our winners today, winning the 50 euro voucher. Enjoy your Asian street food from Sue's Paul O'Sullivan, Ivy Bridge in Mornaby. Congratulations, Paul. Alan O'Shea of Four Lower Jane Mount in Sunday's Well. And Warwick Avenue is the answer. It is indeed Dawn O'Connor in uh, Bandham. Congratulations. They are all of our winners. We will get our vouchers to you. We will do it over again tomorrow. We have another chopped up song that we'll put into the walk. walk. We'll give it a great big mix up and see if you can work out what song we are talking about. And then you'll text or WhatsApp, same as today to 0862103103. That's the number though now that you can use if you have a question for Peter Dowdall, please. Now, some of your calls and comments coming into us. Frank in Cork was on 
This is back to the story that we covered earlier about Sister Irene Gibson, the Carmelite nun who was in Skibbereen District Court yesterday, found uh, guilty of breaching planning laws because of these pods that she built and this hermitage that she built on land in Corrin South near Lep. It was land that she purchased herself and she put up a number of single storey accommodation pods. What seemed to have been the big problem certainly from local people's point of view and the reason that complaints went in she had, I think what she accepts herself was an ugly two-storey building and that obviously took, local people didn't like the look of it and that's when the complaints started to roll in and then of course when Cork County Council started to investigate they realised that Sister Irene Gibson in her little hermitage hadn't planning permission for any of the structures and the pods that were on place. So the two-storey building which the locals had complained with, that's gone but there are still four of the smaller accommodation pods still in uh, place and uh, the judge stressed that the council's regulations must be adhered to and uh, therefore he found her guilty yesterday. I know she is awaiting, she has until April 28th. The judge adjourned sentencing until April 28th and I suppose in that time if Sister Irene, Mother Irene and Sister Anne-Marie have moved on to East Cork which is where they're expected to go, I'm, I'm assuming that will hopefully be the end of it. But Frank in Cork is querying and wondering why the judge requested that the Child of Prague statue be removed from the court. And Frank makes the point they used the Holy Bible to swear people in to make sure that they tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So therefore, is it not hypocrisy that you'd be asked to remove the Child of Prague as statue? And by the way, yesterday when Sister Irene was sworn in, she used her own Bible. She didn't want to use the court Bible, which you're entitled to do as well. But anyway, uh, they were sitting in court with this large, it was a very large Child of Prague statue sitting between them and they were, had rosary beads in their hand and they were like, quietly, or silently I would imagine saying the rosary, you could, I heard one of the reporters saying you could see their lips move so you knew that they were saying uh, the rosary. The judge stressed that while all faiths were respected before the courts, he did not think it was a proper place for a large holy statue to be displaced, to be displayed. So one of the, one I think it was Sister Anne-Marie was actually holding the statue at the time and um, the judge made those comments and then the statue was removed from the courtroom. So he didn't give an exact reason. He just felt it wasn't the appropriate place for a holy, a large holy statue. That was the reason. But yeah, I can see the point of what you're making. Is is it not hypocrisy when they're swearing on the Bible? Um, but I suppose not everyone is, is going to have f- have a belief in Child of Prague statues and someone said is that the Child of Prague statue to give good weather it is it is and God knows they certainly didn't get good weather yesterday for sure it was bucketing down all day can I refer back to yesterday and what a busy busy show we had yesterday in particular to do with the government suggesting that they may consider or they are going to consider putting a ban on all smoky fuels and they're actually putting it out to they're going to have a campaign a public consultation where they're going to ask the people what do the people think the good people of Ireland how do we feel about burning smoky fuels and if it went through it would make it illegal to not just burn coal but it would make it illegal to burn turf peat and wood and 
would, it would, I'm assuming would effectively get rid of all uh, open fires or stoves, wouldn't it? So anyway, it's just going out. It's not happening at the moment, but it's going out for public consultation. And we had a huge huge reaction I have to say to the programme yesterday and some that we didn't get to are some that came in overnight and some people picking it up on our repeat show last night only hearing what we were discussing yesterday so can I just bring you some of them Uh, Julie uh, emailed us on the banning the possible banning on burning wood and coal Julie says okay Sure, it's a great idea. We should be paying much more attention to these things, i.e. I'm assuming she means climate change. But I personally know of seven households in the immediate vicinity, our own included, whose sole source of heating is from wood and coal burning stoves. Two of those households belong to people drawing the old age pension and the rest of us aren't exactly millionaires. I imagine the cost of installing and running alternative heating would be considerable. What seems to happen so very often in this country is that new moves are not well thought out. The consequences of proposed actions are not properly considered and most crucially, people are not given enough time or enough assistance to make the required changes. This government needs to put a lot more thought and effort into solving its problems and in assisting people to make the changes. Otherwise, the only response will be a very angry one. All the best. That's a good email from Julie. Thank you, Julie, for that. Emailing Patricia at c103.ie because we did have a lot of very angry people yesterday. But I'm assuming the fact it's going to go out to public consultation, you're going to get a lot of people with views like Julie who will be saying the same thing. What's the alternative? We can't just have a complete ban on the burning of all smoky fuels. Okay, smoky fuels might be the burning of them is attributing to climate change and we have to work on our climate change and we accept all that. But we could not in a country like ours surely even contemplate a complete ban on smoky fuels. Patsy in Bandon, it led also yesterday to a discussion on the cost of smoky coal versus the smokeless coal. Patsy Abandon says, I can get the ordinary coal, that's the smoky one, for €16 a bag in Abandon. But we will be better off out of the EU as we're only prisoners in our own country. The EU, weren't they only suggesting last week that they want to get rid of the fuel allowance. Also, people were talking on your programme yesterday about the insulation of homes. A lot of the houses that people are talking about are old. They're concrete homes so they cannot have the wall insulation like you can have in the more modern homes. A lot of those houses it'll be almost impossible to insulate them. Well I suppose you could get in the windows could be triple glazed you could put insulation into the attic. I accept yeah you couldn't put the insulation into the walls uh, for sure. Aoife in Blarney says the smoky coal she gets is 21 euro for the bag and we were hearing the smokeless yesterday was about 23 so not much of a difference. Uh, Eddie in Ireland said we must be right Egypt's here in this country to even be considering this. Would you look at the amount of timber i.e. trees that's been burnt in millions of acres near Sydney for the last number of months. So they're on about a bit of coal and smoke out of chimneys here in this country while entire forests are burning for months in another part of the world. Yeah, that's you are right. That is going on in Australia. They have bushfires that really they just cannot get under control. I was watching some video footage yesterday from Sydney 
And it wasn't just smog. I mean, it was smoke was pouring into the city. It was just incredible. And they really are having, I mean, they're right in the middle of their summer and they're having very hot, humid weather at the moment. I mean, they need, what they need is kind of endless days of rain, which it doesn't look like they're going to get. It's a really, really tricky situation in Australia at the moment. And actually, they have firefighters coming in from all over the world uh, to help them out. So our thoughts and prayers uh, with people in Australia who are just properties that have been lost. It isn't just forests and woodlands and uh, scrubland that has been burnt down there. I mean, there are properties being lost and there has been, unfortunately, some loss of life as well. In Charleville, Polish coal, 19 euro. That's the smoky coal and the smokeless coal is 20 euro. There you go. There's only a euro in the difference there. That's good value in uh, Charleville. And Jur in Dripsy says, I use smokeless fuel timber and turf in my stove and I will continue to do this regardless of what laws this government or any government decides to bring in. If I have to go to jail then along I'll go and I'll say more will come with me. The EU have no entitlement to tell us what to do in our own homes. Well this this proposed or this proposal to ban all smoky fuels wouldn't be coming from the EU. It would be a decision that the government would make Okay, you could probably say, well, the EU is putting pressure because of climate change, but it isn't just the EU that are putting pressure, even though we're going to be fined by the EU for our breaches of of climate change. But if if that decision went ahead where the government decided it was illegal to burn all solid fuels, your turf, your coal, your wood, your blocks, whatever uh, it is, we we wouldn't be able to directly blame the EU on that one. You'd have to be blaming the government. 1850-333-103. Keep your calls and comments coming in. In particular, looking for questions for Peter Dowdell. He joins us after half past 12 today. So if you have a question for Peter, you can get it in. It's Bernie uh, taking calls now for John Paul at 1850 333103. Text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Patrician Academy are presenting back to the 80s. It's in St. Patrick's Boys National School. It's on tonight and tomorrow night at half past seven. Tickets are available from the school. From Moy Widows Association, they've got their Christmas meeting uh, tonight 8.15 in the Fomoy Resource Centre. Parents Association of Skull Ingus in Mallow are holding their flag day in Mallow Town today. Collectors are at the post office, they're at Hurley Centre on the main street and also at the spa. Please support to help provide extra activities and library books for the children. And Cueve Egan will host, Cueve Egan will host a coffee morning in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow tomorrow morning from 10am to 12 noon. And it's in aid of the Hope Foundation. She's hoping to help street children of Calcutta. Lots of raffle prizes and you're please asked to support. And Charleville Senior Citizens Party will be held in the Vincent de Paul rooms next Sunday from 2pm to 4pm. Music is by Dan Noonan. There will be lots of prizes and refreshments and please note that the admission is free. And a fun and novel table quiz will be held in Moss Carberry on this Friday night. It's Santa Goes GAA Pub Quiz Tour. Quiz rounds will be held in the three local pubs in the village. You need to register at Nolan's Bar at half past seven. Tables of four, please. It'll be 40 euro to take part. It'll be a fancy dress, by the way, with a prize for the best dressed team, plus lots of spot prizes. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
Sorry, I was just typing BB's address to somebody who sent in a WhatsApp looking for BB's address. It's uh, bb at bbbaskin.ie. Now, some of your texts coming in to us. Mag said, did the judge allow the nuns to swear in their own Bible? Surely that's not legal. It's setting an iffy precedent, says Mags. No, I don't know. I think you are allowed to swear on your own uh, Bible. You don't have to use the Bible that is in uh, court. Uh, Dennis says, um, if somebody wants to clarify that, please do. Please do. Dennis says, if it was I, I would have had a serious issue with the Child of Prague statue. Okay. Like Dennis says, you you don't leave an alleged stabber bringing a knife into court or a robber bring a hammer. Uh, right. Uh, and you can refuse to swear on, on the Bible. You can choose to affirm on something else. Oh, says Dennis, so you, you can pick your own. Yeah, because obviously if you don't believe in the Bible, you can choose to swear on uh, something else. And, uh, yeah, I don't and I still don't know why you'd have an issue with somebody bringing in the, the Child of Prague uh, statue. But anyway, the judge was... Uh, forced the nuns to remove it yesterday or kind of rather than forced kind of said it was inappropriate so the I think the nuns themselves decided rather than get into a row with the judge over the Child of Prague statute they brought it outside Julie says Patricia after I heard about these hermit nuns on the radio and I read about them in the papers a few weeks ago I decided to send Mother Irene a small donation and asked her please to pray for a friend of mine who was undergoing a scan for cancer. She came back to me with such a beautiful, comforting email. I feel so sorry for them today in the situation they find themselves in and I really do hope that they don't end up leaving the country due to all of this as I think they are such an asset. God knows the country needs them now more than ever. I only wish I could have done more to help them. Thanking you, says Julie. I remember Sister Anne-Marie, who only joined the Hermitage, only joined Sister Irene earlier this year. She's from New Zealand. And if I remember rightly, when it all kicked, because I know when we spoke earlier in the year with Sister Irene, I'm sure there had been an offer of, I don't know if it was somebody from New Zealand or was it somebody in America. There was definitely an offer from overseas of somebody who was willing to put them up and set up a hermitage somewhere else. Now, there's been since offers here in Ireland, including this house, because it does look like they want to remain in Ireland, this house in East Cork, but there's a lot of renovation work going on on the house to get it to, I don't know what condition the house is in, but there's work needs to be done uh, on it. So the plan at the moment is that, they're, 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 Julie, they are going to remain in this country and hopefully will be able to live out their days in East uh, Cork. There are questions for Peter. Keep those coming, please. Now, on road safety, by the way, we did have a, a number of people who contacted us saying that they don't like the roundabout in Annabella in Mallow when they heard about the young driver who failed his driving test yesterday because somebody decided to come through from the Limerick side going like the clappers of hell straight through the roundabout and the poor old learner driver doing his test had to slam on the brakes and uh, it seems he failed his driving test yesterday which I hope he didn't fail for that reason I hope he failed for other reasons but obviously when something like that happens in the middle of a a driving test it should throw you wouldn't it uh, completely but a number of other people are saying yeah it isn't it isn't safe and people just avoiding the roundabout if at all possible because it, cause it well it's just never about avoiding it if you can it's just so busy I had to I was dropping the hubby off to the train station this morning and it was early we were out early before 8 o'clock and even at that hour of the morning it was just incredibly busy it's just a busy you need your wits about you I'll tell you that on that roundabout but Staying on road safety, somebody wants to bring up a different issue. Uh, It's a school bus driver, but this is a road safety issue who said, I met a number of drivers who do not demist their windows properly. 
in the morning and they end up driving out at crossroads at 20 kilometres per hour or so without looking. And even if they did look, they can't see properly because their windows are all misted up. This morning, I was less than 20 feet from a car that drove out in front of me. And when I looked, all the windows were completely fogged up. A little further on, I met another with only a small portion of the windscreen cleared for the driver to see out through. Surely clearing your windows should be done before driving off in your vehicle. And it is kind of that time of year. I have to say this morning I I was de-icing and I had to demist because the I, I couldn't see out the wind the windscreen either and it is very dangerous so please heed that as somebody who's on the roads a lot as a school bus driver and has very precious cargo on board and wants to make sure that everybody gets to their destination safely but be careful just make sure that you demist the windscreen of your car before our van before heading out in the morning and a quick shout out if anybody can help us or offers advice on this we've been contacting by somebody from the United Kingdom who moved over to Ireland earlier this year to live and work and feels very strongly about exercising his constitutional rights. So he applied for a postal vote for the general election which is happening, an important general election that is happening in the United Kingdom this Thursday. Uh, He didn't receive his postal vote and when he went on to the government website in England, the gov.co.uk, they have accepted that with Christmas post, a lot of the postal votes are not going to arrive. Now he's really annoyed, really taken aback by this because like Christmas isn't exactly a movable feast. They would have known in advance when Christmas was happening when they were sending out the, the votes. He hasn't even got it yet so it's no way it's going to, even if it arrives today, the voting is tomorrow, it's not going to arrive back in time. So he's very cross about it because he said if it had been explained to him at the time when he applied for his postal vote, he was also offered the chance of a proxy vote. He could have passed the proxy vote on to somebody else because he feels strongly about wanting to vote. But he's contacted us to see is he in an isolated case or are there any others listening to us who are entitled and have applied for a postal vote for the general election in the United Kingdom and did you receive your ballot papers in time? Because he just wants to see has he just been unlucky? Has it just gone missing in the post? What has happened? I did a quick Google search uh, earlier and I did see there were people in France were complaining that they, a small number of people in France were complaining that they hadn't received their postal votes in time. But I don't know because I'm certainly receiving Christmas cards from family in England that's arriving within, you know, a couple of days. There isn't that much of a delay on it. So uh, postal votes for the United Kingdom general election. Have you received it? We'd love to hear from you. 1850 333 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Peter Dowdle, the com, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Chris. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. OK, lots of questions uh, still coming in for you. Let's um, uh, start with one that I suppose is a bit relevant to the time of the year. Could you ask Peter, I'm feeding birds with peanuts Nuts, but I think all the birds are picking at them. I think all the birds can pick them on the feeder. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's to do with should she still be feeding birds at this time of the year or should she let them eat the berries from the trees? 
Well, it's now that they recommend feeding the birds is during the winter. But yeah, I, it is a good question. And I, I'm much more, uh, I would encourage much more planting of buried plants where birds can feed themselves off the berries. And then you should end up having no need for the, the bird feeders. So plants like holly, skimia, calicarpa, uh, pyracantha, all these plants are loved, loved by the birds. So you end up with a more attractive garden. Uh, you end up with bees doing their job in them early in the, the year and now the birds feeding on them so you end up in an attractive garden and a garden that works uh, and what I mean by works is, is you ha- it's helping the pollinators early in the year now it's helping the birds the birds then in return will help you during the summer by uh, feeding on the, the nasties like the slugs and snails and, and vine weevil grubs and things like that so that's how the, the circle all works together so I would be much more a fan of using buried plants to feed them as opposed to bird feeders however yeah. there's nothing wrong with bird feeders at all uh, so if you if you are putting them up, I would say no. Now is the time to to be concentrating on it, certainly. Yeah, and then uh, Chris says it's wonderful to see all the birds feeding off the holly bushes at the moment. How does Peter feel about people cutting down holly to bring it into their garden, to bring it into their homes to use as decoration at Christmas? Uh, Chris is always against it. Yeah, well. <laughs> That would be a bit bad humbug now for me. Yeah, it is a tradition. It is a tradition that goes back donkey's years. Um, I No, I have no problem with that. There should be enough to go around. And I suppose the thing, that the point of that is that we all need to plant more holly. In fact, believe it or not, as I say, that there should be enough to go around. Uh, there possibly isn't. It is on the list. It is at risk of becoming an endangered species, believe it or not, holly. Um, so it is something we should all be planting more of and I would encourage people if they're looking at planting hedgerows or hedges uh, consider holly yeah stick the holly holly in yeah Yeah. I always think though just be careful who you're buying your holly from because some unscrupulous dealers will go out there and they hack the holly bushes and it's you know You yeah, really do, don't want to be encor- encouraging yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gardening question for Peter, please. I have my geraniums indoors at the moment and the leaves are turning yellow. Should I be worried? I wouldn't be overly worried, no. Uh, the, if there has been a drop of temperature. If they're, if they're indoors, like in a cool, unheated glass house or unheated polytunnel, they're, they're fine, but they have still, they're still experiencing a drop in temperature to the summer weather. So a couple of yellow leaves, I wouldn't be too worried. If they've been moved indoors into the home, where you've got a centrally heated house uh, and they're going yellow. It could be just that they're drying out a bit. But if they're in a, an unheated glass house or tunnel, I wouldn't worry too much about watering them during the winter, just enough to keep them alive, really, maybe maybe a small bit each week. However, if you have them indoors in the home, they're going to dry out much quicker and they're going to keep growing, if you like, because it's warm enough for them. So then you'd need to be watering them. So it, it's one or the other, if you like. If they're in the house, uh, it's possibly drying out. So maybe just give them a drop of water. If, if they're in a glass house or a polytunnel, I wouldn't be too worried at all. Question for Peter, please. Can apple trees, the uh, the cooking variety, be sown now? I was going to plant earlier, but a supplier said the trees need a lot of water and to sow later in the year. So is now later in the year or would I be better off holding out until January, thanking you? No, you're fine to be planting now. Like this time of the year from kind of November through to February, March is really the traditional time for planting and it's still the best time for planting uh, because the trees are dormant, so the apple trees that you get will be dormant. So they'll they'll get a there's very little root disturbance, and they they get a chance to get established in their new home, in their new planting hole, before they start actually growing in the spring. So it's the correct advice to to leave it later in the year. So any time from from November to to March is fine. John and Kilmichael says, Hi Patricia, I have lichen growing on some of my trees, silver birch and maples. Is it okay, or is it doing any harm? Fine, not doing any harm whatsoever. 
lifting is just a, it's a very simple plant. It's like a moss. Um, it's actually a good sign for, for, for the atmosphere because it's a sign of a clean environment. There's no pollution in the air. So it's a great sign from that point of view. And no, it's doing no harm to the tree whatsoever. Could you, Sheila says, could you ask Peter, please, when is the right time to prune my roses? Uh, well, you'll read all about it this Saturday's Examiner because okay. I, I was just doing a, a piece on, on pruning roses. So you have any time from now till the end of February to do it, but I would probably be doing it now, even though we, as, as we constantly talk about Christmas, roses will flower for us right up to Christmas Day. There's still a few on my rose, but in truth, they're not great now at the moment. So the flowers, the, the rain is getting them and they're rotting and they're small. So I, would act, I must actually get out and prune my own now this weekend. So I would advise pruning them now because... If we are, and we've already had a bit, so if we are going to get more storms and more high winds, which is very likely over the winter, uh, leaving the roses quite tall just leaves them vulnerable to rocking, and that will lead to the root rocking in the soil, and, and that, that's not great great, uh, great conditions for the plant. You don't you want the root to be solid in the soil. You don't want it rocking. So prune them now to prevent that wind rock, and also to remove any disease, leaves, disease flowers, disease stems. Uh, prune them all off. Now, you can prune roses very, very hard, uh, and the other thing you want to look at is that you're, you're removing any branches that are crossing over each other. So ideally what you want is leave three or four main stems uh, all pointing outwards, if you know what I mean, so that they're not going to be growing across each other through the centre of the plant. And that'll lead to good air circulation around the plant, which is uh, important to, to prevent things like black spot and mildew and that next year. OK, John wants to plant some cyclamen plants and he said he's noticed the ones in the garden centre are all full of flower at the moment. He's wondering, is it safe to plant at this time of the year because he's worried about frost? Or should he hold off buying and planting them at this time of year? It kind of depends what, what John's after. So in other words, well, the answer to that obviously is cyclamen, but um, there, <laughs> there's, more, there's more than one type of cyclamen. So the cyclamens that you see in the garden centres at the moment are a, a plant called cyclamen persica. They're what we refer to as the bedding cyclamen. So they're fine to plant out at this time of the year, but realistically, uh, I wouldn't expect them to come back year after year. In theory, they will, but in a better climate, or not necessarily a better climate, but in a warmer climate, they will. So I regard them uh, just for colour for the next couple of months. And they're the ones that you see everywhere, Trish, at the moment. They're primarily red and white, but also in different shades of pink. Um, But they're fine to plant out now, provided, of course, that you're buying them from a garden centre where they have been exposed to the outdoors. If you pick them up in a supermarket shelf where they're they're nice and warm and cosy in the centrally heated store, then put them straight outside into the Irish December. You can't be overly surprised when they don't do very well. So you do need to be careful where you buy them uh, and where you get them that they have been hardened off. So those bedding ones will give you. you don't, the fact that they're in full flower now is fine. They will still give you colour for the next month or so. But if you're looking for the spring flowering cyclamen, you're actually looking for a different plant altogether. It's uh, cyclamen. Uh, cyclamen heterofolium or cyclamen coom flowers in the spring and that comes now in a bulb or a corm form and you would plant that now for flowering in the spring. Okay, Jar in Drumahan has a tree that he describes as a Christmas tree growing in his front garden. It was planted about eight years ago and it is now nearly 10 feet tall. It's now at the desired height that he wants it to stay at. This is a tough one. How does he stop it growing taller? Please don't behave like that, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Uh, no, I've no magic wand for you on that. If it's a Christmas tree, it's a type of, of fir or spruce, so... It, it keeps this natural conical shape, which obviously is synonymous with the Christmas tree shape, uh, but it won't stop. So if you take the top off that now to try and stop it growing any higher, uh, all you've done, I'm afraid, is it can continue to grow, but it, the growth will come out through the lateral branches, so you lose that shape completely. Uh, so that it can continue to, to reach upwards, but not the leader, the main shoot, the, yeah. the highest point, is gone. 
you lose the shape. What, you lose completely lose the shape. All yeah. the height will come from the other. So I'm afraid that you can't just put a you can't tie a block around. It's a bit like children. You can't tie a block around it to stop it growing. I'm afraid it, it's going to keep growing. And that really is one of the things that you need to think about because it's in his front garden. So we're assuming it's you know close enough to the house. When you're planting trees, you have to think about what size is this tree going to be in 10 years' time? Absolutely. I was going to say you need to think longer term, but this is only eight years. So it's not even that long term. You do need to think when you're planting any tree, you need to think uh, like you need to think what's it going to look like in 20, 50 and 100 years. You know, obviously in 100 years, it won't be bothering most of us, but, but certainly in eight or 10 years, it will. So you need to you need to plant it carefully. You need to whatever tree you're planting, you need to find out its eventual height by spread. Uh, and, and bear that in mind when you're planting it. Okay. All right, are you busy getting ready for Christmas? I'm uh, getting ready for Santa, getting the house and the uh, garden yeah. <laughs> shape, getting ready for Santa. And your tree, your tree is up? Oh, tree is, is well up. Well done, well done. Well up. Okay, yeah. we'll talk for the final one next week, Peter. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. Here's another Christmas hit on C103 with your local mace going the extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness. <laughs> it's all cold down along the beach. And the wind's whipping down the boardwalk. <laughs> hey, man! You guys know what time it is? all been good and practicing real hard yeah clients you've been you've been rehearsing real hard now so santa bring you a new saxophone right everybody out there been good or what oh that's not many not many you guys are in trouble out here <laughs> and you better watch out you better not cry you better not pop. i'm telling you why say Good.
That's the gorgeous sound of Bruce Springsteen on C103 and that is Santa Claus is coming to town. That's where I leave you for today. I can still see a number of texts and calls still coming in about the possible banning of fossil fuels with one person saying, I suffer from chest problems. I would be delighted if smoky fuels were banned in this country. People need to think about the health health implications of smoky fuels fuel. Um, We'll pick up on, I'll take a note of all of those comments that come in and I'll I'll bring you some of them uh, tomorrow on the programme. Apologies if we didn't get to all your calls and comments today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing and also Bernie Murphy has been in for the last hour. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a lovely afternoon.